and onward. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. And the other side, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. That's why we're uh, finding ourselves in this series of uh, Christian praxis, of uh, finding ways to look at what Jesus taught and how we put that into practice. And now I realize in, in reading this and in knowing where we're, uh, we're going this morning that uh, I'm not specifically reading any more of Jesus' words other than that part. Uh, we're going to read some of Paul's words, which come from what he learned from Jesus. And uh, I have some other words that I want to share, which come from a guy who had a relationship with Jesus. And it's, uh, it's interesting to me, like, just how these stories kind of build into this. And in some ways, it would be maybe fun, maybe uh, inspiring to just tell stories, just sit up here and tell stories that fit with the, the content of what we're talking about today. Uh, we can learn so well from the stories of those around us. Uh, and, and I do find that in this, this role of preparing a message, a word, a sermon, that there's this collection. Sometimes I feel like a bit of a curator of uh, collecting like, ooh, let's use this and we'll talk about that a little bit. And someone said this at one point and maybe we'll talk about that. And there's this great illustration and image from this thing and so we can add that in as well. So sometimes it feels a little bit like a collection of all of these things, but uh, rest assured that these are all built on what Jesus taught and that's the, the hope in curating these things together is that it's not just random ideas, random things that are built together, but it is something that comes together towards what Jesus taught. That's what our foundation is. That's what we're coming back to. This exists because Jesus taught this through what he said, through what he lived, and then now we're invited to learn from that and to put that into practice as well. So with that in mind, this morning we're talking about generosity. And uh, and this is, I enjoy this topic as discussion, like back and forth. It's a little bit odd to have more of a one-sided conversation with this because it, it kind of comes with like, well, the guy up front who's elevated two feet above me and has a, a microphone to make him talk louder, he's the one that's going to tell me I have to be generous. Well, that's, that kind of gets you back up <laughs> right away to begin with. That's why in a conversation, it's a little bit easier to have a, a give and take. That makes it beneficial or valuable to us. It's the continued lifestyle of, the continued um, intervals, the continued input that uh, makes us continually generous, which pushes, pushes back on the greed that would try to uh, have its way with us as well. So all that being said, words upon uh, Jesus' words that we're going to land in are in 2 Corinthians. So Paul's words in 2 Corinthians. Paul's address to the church in Corinth. And uh, if you want to turn there, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 to see a story of generosity and some practical teaching that follows it as well. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So in uh, this letter written to the church of Corinth, uh, the, the city of Corinth is this 
this is where I've, I've failed you guys this morning, and I apologize. I should, have, I should have put a slide up for this, for those that are visual, to just kind of see there's this uh, location-based back and forth that happens in this part of, uh, of the letter. So Corinth is in the province of Achaia. I probably said it wrong, but it shows up in there and starts with an A. So if you see that kind of province, then you know that's what we're talking about. Uh, Corinth is in there, and then north of Corinth is uh, more of a province of um, Macedon, Macedonian. So we have the Achaeans and the Macedonians, neighboring provinces, and, and they have this sort of, uh, even though like churches in both these locations, so you can, there, there's a, a familiarity, a common goal of being followers of Jesus, but there's also this like neighboring rivalry that can happen. So just as the best way to think of that, like Rough Riders, Bombers, provinces beside each other, you get the idea. Um, we can have things like both farming, agricultural provinces, similarities, but yes, there can be rivalries. And Paul does beautiful things to like pit that rivalry against each other. It's really fun. Uh, let's read it and you'll, you'll see it as we go. I'm going to point out some things as we go uh, through this as well. Verse 1 of chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. There it is, Macedonian churches. That's the other province. Corinth is in uh, Achaia. And so he's already talking like, oh, talking about the other guys, hey? That grace uh, that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded, themsel- or, and they, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. One more sentence, and then i got to come back on some stuff here. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, see this? The Macedonians, they gave this, but now I'm talking to you. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So he's speaking to something of of generosity, but he's kind of stirring it up in them a bit too. Like, oh, those Macedonians, they were pretty generous. But you, you guys, you're so good at everything as well. I'm sure, I'm sure that you'll also excel in this grace of giving. Uh, so before we, we move on in the story here, just want to see, point out a word that keeps coming up in here. Uh, it, it came up in the first sentence. And, and we roll over this, but it's, it's weird in this context when we actually pause and think about it was to me anyways. The very first sentence, it says, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Translators in verse 4 says, they urgently plead with us for the privilege of sharing in this service. It's the same word. Uh, verse 6, just as he also earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. And the very last bit there, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And now it continues on that grace shows up one more time in this, in this chunk as well. Uh, but this, this grace, like our, our first, maybe not our, my first uh, lens when I think grace is kind of this unmerited favor, this like God's grace towards us when it's a position of, of what I've done. So kind of tied with forgiveness, grace, like that's usually how I interpret grace here. 
initially. But then you read this, like, the grace that God has given, uh, the grace on your own part, this grace of giving. It's always tied to this, uh, this, this grace. And, and Paul uses this word a whole bunch through Corinthians, uh, through Romans as well. And so I spent a lot of time digging and pondering on that one because I, I couldn't grasp it. I couldn't get this, like, the, the word that's used there from, like, the original language and stuff. I, I just trying to, like, what's, what's he getting at? The grace to do. Because it's kind of this grace to do something. Like, the grace to give. The grace to do this. What's that coming from? The closest I could get is uh, it, it looks a little bit like this um, special ability. Uh, when you think of like a graceful person, think of like a graceful performer. How about that? So a graceful dancer, their ability, like you could have me dancing, be clunky and awkward, so that would just be dancing, maybe. Uh, but if you had a graceful dancer, it would all flow. It would be the right motions, the right movements. There's a grace to it. So you can kind of see like it's almost like this unique ability, this uh, extra above and beyond sort of thing. There's a, a line from a movie I like called uh, A Knight's Tale. And uh, the guy that often gives the introductions, he's, he's one of my favorites. And uh, he has this line where he's given his final introduction. He's like, people, people, let me give my introduction now. And he says, for I would lay to rest the grace of my tongue and speak plainly to you. And that kind of stuck. Okay, so grace, it's this above and beyond, this ability, this special ability, but something that is more than just plain, something that is above and beyond. So in, uh, in mind with that, um, we look at this and see that grace is almost like a gifting here. It's this special uh, from God, ability to do what is asked by God. So reading that in the back of your mind as well then, we can look at those same sentences, just fragments again there. We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So it's coming from God. It's this, this ability above and beyond that God has given the churches there. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege, this above and beyond, of sharing in this service. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part, this above and beyond, this gracefulness, not simple, not plain. And then at the end there, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. Because Paul talks about gifts in, in Romans as well, and he uses this grace in there as well too. So it seems to be tied to this uh, gifting from God, the grace to do this, not on your own, but with God. Uh, giving you the ability to do this. So generosity, the grace of generosity, the grace of giving, partnering in this. And this is further, it's further emphasized right in the middle of this chunk too. Uh, verse 5, we kind of read right over it, but I want to point it again. They exceeded our expectations, talking about the Macedonians. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. You see the priority there? It's this, any, any person can be generous. Any person who knows nothing of God can be generous. And whatever the motivations are, whether it's a desire to help someone that they see in need, they just have compassion, whether it's something uh, selfishly motivated, that if I do this, that will have this sort of appearance, so that is good. People can be generous, but when we look at the people of God being generous, it is motivated it is made more than just simple more above and beyond the grace that god can give in that is started by first a submission to the lord they gave themselves first of all to the lord 
and then by the will of God also to us. So that's submission first to God and then looking out for the people around them and the grace of giving that they had with that. Okay, let's keep going in this section because we want to go a little bit further before uh, we, we uh, take a, a little turn here. Uh, this was the end of verse 7. We see also that you excel in this grace of giving. Verse 8, if you're in chapter 8 still. I'm not com- commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. See, he's just straight out. I'm comparing it with your neighbors there. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. It all starts with Jesus. It all is built on Jesus. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Again, tied to this grace. If we're focused on God, he's going to affect our desires that way towards what he's working on. Verse 11, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Here we go. This gets into a little bit of practical. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. And the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn... Their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. It's an interesting picture he paints here on, uh, on, on, on generosity and, and how that can be reciprocal and how that, uh, when, it's, when someone's doing better, generosity that they have can help someone else that might be um, below <laughs> better or best at that time. So it speaks more to equality. And uh, this is kind of a great measure of how we could categorize uh, how to give. But I, I thought of something, uh, honestly, I'd say, got an idea that I want to put this on display. So Daryl, if you had a couple stools you can bring up for me, I want to, uh, let's try something. I want to see if I can display something and uh, see if this helps us at all. Oops, shouldn't drop that on electronics. Apologies. Can just set those there. Actually, you can stay up here too. You don't need to say anything. Maybe you do. You don't need to sit down even if you don't want to. Actually, you can't sit down. That was not part of the deal. I, I, I did say I might make you stay up here. There's, there's no... Uh... <laughs> okay. So... Um, <laughs> I get these, you get the pillow. No, I'm just kidding. Um, actually, you can't have that. These are, these are mine right now. I need that one as well too. Sorry, you have to stand. So this is what, uh, when, when looking at the goal of generosity being equality, I feel like there's a few different ways that this looks like. Uh, one is, first of all, giving out of our wealth. And, and we live in a part of the world where Probably most often we tend to give out of our wealth. And this is what I believe giving out of our wealth looks like. Is that you are there, you have nothing, it's winter, and uh, you know it's warm out now, but you're a warm-blooded person, so eventually you do get cold, though. And, uh, and so I'm over here, and I'm warm, and I've got mitts. And so you have nothing, and I have something. And so at this point, you could say something like, boy, my hands are cold, and we'll assume you said that. Or maybe you say, boy, my hands are cold. Boy, my hands are cold. Yeah, they do. They look really cold. It's winter. You should wear mitts, Daryl. You should know this by now. You're working with steel outside. 
But uh, that's where I can say, like, well, you know, you might as well, uh, you might as well use these extra gloves. <laughs> I've, uh, my hands are getting a little bit sweaty. Yeah, they're not cold anymore. To which you can say, you've had extra gloves this whole time? <laughs> We're in the Rockies. Okay, so that is me giving out of my wealth. I had two of something, and Daryl had none of something. And so, you know, there's equality now. He's got something, but it didn't really cost me anything other than now I don't have to be sweaty and I'm not as warm with that. That's what giving out of our wealth looks like. We have more than enough and we give from that. The outcome is still that somebody has something now. So the outcome is still good, but perhaps it's not best for us yet. So the other thing would be, okay, now you've, you're, your hands are warm now, and uh, I've, I've got a stool to sit on because, you know, standing up here after a while, my legs get kind of tired. It's nice to sit down. But even more than that, I've got a cushion from my stool so that I can be kind of comfy on my stool. That's even nicer. <laughs> so what I can do with that is I can see, like, oh, there's some need here. Daryl has to stand up here all by himself. Like, you know what? This cushion's pretty nice. It's a nice comfort that I have, but I bet you at the trader, I could trade in this cushion for a stool. And then I don't have a cushion anymore, but Daryl has a stool, and I have a stool, and we both have equality. And I had to sacrifice a comfort, I had to give something up, but now we have equality. So we have giving out of our wealth, which is we have more than enough, and we give. The outcome is that someone will still have uh, what they need, but perhaps we haven't uh, gained as much in our own hearts. Uh, and then giving out of our comfort, where we sacrifice a comfort, a luxury, in order that someone else may have something. So the third as well, which Paul addressed here, of people giving maybe even more than they could, would me be going like, well, I've still got a stool. Well, you know what? Maybe Daryl needs a bit more, and I can trade that back in for that uh, cushion. And then here, you can have a cushion, and now you have comfort. You have more than equality, and I have nothing. And Paul's not actually calling us towards that, calling us to, like, sometimes that sacrificial above and beyond but his goal here is equality, as he's stating. Okay, thank you, Daryl. We've uh, made, I'll send these back with you so we're not a distraction, but thank you for uh, being my guinea pig, even though you only knew half the story. <laughs> Going to be more cautious about volunteering for things. So we are called to uncomfortable giving. There's so many complexities with this. I recognize that. I know it's not simple. I know where you draw the lines is not always going to be the same. But we see this as, uh, as Paul laid out, and, and we'll see a little bit more in a minute as well, where he talks about this giving up so that others could have towards equality. And sometimes there's a sacrificial giving in that and, and for a time. But, uh, but like he says, he comes back to this point of equality, that everyone would have enough. Uh, there's something I want to read that I believe speaks this so well. So C.S. Lewis uh, is an author that I, I really appreciate. His ability to make complex things simple. Uh, he, he wrote this book called Mere Christianity, which was given actually as a, uh, a series of radio broadcasts, and then he turned it into uh, a book. And uh, he addresses a lot of mere Christianity, kind of the base elements of what Christianity is in, uh, in many different topics. And he talks about giving in here. And I, I really like what he says here, and I'll read it in a second, because it, uh, it kind of paints not necessarily, here's what you do. Because that could be the story. I could have saved us all the time this morning, got up here and said, 
all right, this is how you be generous. Do uh, this step here. That First, you got to figure out how much you made, and then you give 10% of that because it talks about a tenth in the Old Testament there somewhere. And uh, be on your way. Be joyful, happy. Others will be well. That, like, sure, there's some principles in that, and there's some valuable principles in that. But it's often much more complex than that. And so Lewis speaks to this very, very well. So let me read to you just a, a couple, or one paragraph here, as he talks about giving in this uh, book, Mere Christianity. It says, I do not believe that one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Now, he explains it. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are on those who really need our help. So he says a few things in there. That perhaps our charities are giving ought to limit us a little bit, ought to pinch just a little bit. And again, too, this comes back to the well, how do we draw the lines around this? Because now we're playing a comparison game. Like, okay, I think so-and-so is kind of my same income category, so what does it look like for them? Like, and that's a dangerous road to go down as well. So my hope is that giving you this, you, it causes you to stir up and think about it. And, and as we look a little bit further in 2 Corinthians, you'll see the, the heart of the matter as well. But to actually consider these things, to look at it and think, okay, how does this fit with the way that I'm choosing to live? with the things that I'm engaging to do. Because sometimes, like, a comfort, a luxury, an amusement, as he talks about, might be a delayed comfort, luxury, or amusement. Is that okay then, Scott? Like, if I save up for it and don't do it right away when I could, is that okay? Well, that's for you to figure out. That's for you to uh, wrestle with, and uh, not for me to dictate from the front, but to engage in conversation if you want to talk about it a bit more. I invite that as well. we're going to go a little bit further into Second uh, Corinthians to see kind of this guiding principle that we can build this practice on. So jumping to Second Corinthians chapter 9, we've seen the story that Paul lays out between the Macedonians and now the Corinthians, uh, and then he carries on a little bit more of that narrative. You can read through that in uh, ver- chapters 8 and 9, but as we go uh, a little bit further down, we see him get to some practical stuff. So we're going to go chapter 9, verse 6. This is what it says. Remember this. So now he's getting to the principle. He's getting to like, okay, this is what happened. This is where, uh, this is how this plays out. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have scattered their gifts, uh, freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Isn't this fascinating? Now, one of the things that if you read this a few times over, you might catch a little bit uh, deeper down. I'll help point it out. Because we often see this like, okay, reaping and sowing. 
We get that. Seed lots, get more back. Seed a little bit, get a little bit back. All right, got that. So if this is a, a principle of generosity, that if I'm very generous, then more will come back, we often read that the same way reaping and sowing goes. I plant wheat, I get wheat. I plant potatoes, I get potatoes. But the, the continuing conversation in here, the continuing words point out that you don't always get back an exact same form as you put in. So sowing generously might mean, as it points out here, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. Huh. So sowing in generosity, whether in your time or in uh, your finances or whatever it may be, might turn back that you will abound in every good work. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Huh. So sometimes the way it comes back might not be, I put in dollar amount, I get dollar amount back. Perhaps God's blessing of abundance looks a little bit different than math just like that. God's math is not exactly the way that our math wants to sort it out sometimes. There's three things in here of generosity that work on us. Uh, the first of them is helping others. When we are generous, it helps others. This was the first story that Paul was telling. When you are generous, when they are generously giving, it is helping those that were in need, that there would be equality. So that is fantastic. And that can happen when we give out of our wealth, when we get out, give out of our comfort, when we give sacrificially. That can help another person. That can help someone who is not able at that moment to help themselves. That's like the most plain and clear part there. The second ones are that it actually does something for us. That when we're generous, it helps us. And it helps us in a few different ways. It helps us to fight against greed. Because if you have a problem with money, getting more money will not make you happier. It'll just make you greedier. And if greed is a problem, then actually opening up your fingers and being generous is the first step towards dealing with that greed. So it helps us. It fights against greed. It fosters a faith and trust in God and his provision. Because when I give away this, it means that I can no longer use that for my own comfort, if I'm giving out of my comfort. Or maybe it means I cannot yeah, like, as, like Lewis was saying, it pinches me a little bit. It means I can't do the thing I wanted to do. It means I can't get the one I wanted to get. Uh, it means that, and when we give even beyond that, it might mean like, oh God, I don't know how you're going to make ends meet on this. But it fosters trust to say that God, this is yours, that you've enabled me to have originally. I'm giving it a portion back to you for how you want to use, knowing that I can no longer use that bit. And I'm trusting you to provide for me and whatever that looks like. So it increases our faith. It fights against greed. And it also, uh, it also comes back. And there's other parts in the Bible that talk about this too. That it comes back and not necessarily monetarily. Sometimes it does. But it also comes back in a way that God chooses to bless us. That doesn't exactly uh, always maybe add up the way of what we put in. There's some abundance that God creates in there as well. And that's a fun part to look for. Uh, to look around you of, of how uh, God is providing for you in ways that maybe you wouldn't expect. And perhaps it's tied to your generosity. Okay. Let's, uh, let's keep moving as we get uh, 
get almost to the end here. Uh, we had read result in thanksgiving to God. So this is uh, the last thing of it helps others, it helps us, but it also gives glory to God. This is a way that we can praise God. How cool is that? Uh, we can praise God by singing, by serving, by giving over of just our desires to God, but also being generous. That was the end of verse 11 here. Uh, you will be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let's read a couple more verses. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Uh, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of their surpassing grace God has given you. And then this, this final in verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God gets the glory. Our generosity works to help others. It works to help ourselves. And it gives glory to God. How amazing is that? Now, I just have a couple observations about habits of giving that are worth considering because uh, for some of you, you've developed habits of generosity and giving uh, that you continue in, that maybe you evaluate. I don't know what that looks like for you exactly, but I know some of those things were uh, built in for me a little bit, whether or not they were talked about uh, explicitly growing up. But there's certain habits that we build in of generosity, and I'm saying that I'm, I'm recommending to you to consider those, to look at them in the most positive way you can, to recognize, like, wow, develop this kind of percentage-based giving that we've done just for years, and it just becomes a habit that, like, that's what I give to a variety of places, and look at that number. Consider that. It kind of fits, like, in that tax return season when you actually see that number, and you have opportunity to think, like, wow, not, like, how good am I, but look at the opportunity that God had to use that and consider, like, what did that actually cost me? What would I have done? This, I think this is okay. <laughs> Sometimes I do this, like, what would we have done with that, uh, that money that we gave away? Because that's what it cost you. That's the pinch. That's the, uh, the comfort that it might have cost you, the, uh, the sacrifice that you made. And it's worth considering, not dwelling on, but it's worth considering because habits of generosity tend to overlook that because we just kind of scale up to it after a while and get used to it. Uh, also, um, when you have a habit, look at it, consider it, and does it need to change? Uh, a good habit maybe needs tweaks every so often of what it can be become an even better habit, uh, or maybe there's adjustments you need to make on that. So make sure you evaluate um, where, where you're at and where you want to be. So here's the, here's the challenge I have for you as we go into this week, is to uh, simply consider a luxury, whatever that looks like for you. Don't do it. Be generous with what, what, that, what that would have cost you. So for example, if uh, you consider Tim Hortons to be your luxury, I don't think many people do, but uh, if you consider it to be your luxury, forego a Tim Hortons drive through trip, figure out what that would have cost, go and uh, make yourself a sandwich and a Keurig coffee instead, or, or however you would do that, and find where you can be generous with that amount. That's the idea. Scale that up to however you want. I don't know what you want to do with that. But consider a luxury. Don't do it and be generous with that same amount. Because if we're looking at comforts and luxuries, honestly, you can go without. 
So that's a place to start. For those of you that are incredibly generous already, like I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful to God that he's using that. And uh, I'm grateful that it produces a spirit of generosity in you because uh, generous people are so fantastic to be around. It is absolutely fantastic to be prodded on by the people around us who are generous as well. I believe that God does invite us into an uncomfortable generosity, something that does cost us a little bit. It does pinch us. And I believe at times he calls us to that sacrificial giving too. And uh, that's up to God to bring those out for you, for us, when that time is. Uh, We have been given a lot, and it requires a lot of discernment and wisdom to know how to uh, use those resources well. And so that is my prayer for us, to have the wisdom and discernment to use those resources well, that we don't get caught up on hanging on to Uh, wealth on hanging on to things that won't last but that we can be generous to see what God will do with that because it helps others around us it helps us in our own greed it helps us in our uh, in our faith and it helps to see God's provision and absolutely it gives glory to God so my prayer is uh, is for you and as you consider that this week And uh, as we go along with that together, may we become just increasingly, increasingly a generous community. And if it means competing against the province beside us or the people around us to be more generous, I'm quite convinced you cannot outgive God. Uh, But wouldn't that be a fun thing to see happening in our midst? Let me pray uh, for you, for us, uh, for our hearts in this matter as uh, we go into this week. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us so, so much We know times of of want or need. Many of us know what it's like to be in need. Whether we we live in that day to day, whether whether we've grown to a point beyond that, we know that you provide. And God, I pray that you would show that in miraculous ways to this group of people. As you prod us towards uncomfortable generosity, Pray that you'd bring up for us the ways where, where our generosity can pinch just a little bit. Help us to see the ways that we can, uh, we can help others around us, whatever it is. We know that you're working, God, so we ask for your direction, your wisdom, your leading in how we use the abundance of resources that you've given us. And I thank you that you turn that back on us in ways that we can't even fathom. Because we know, God, that you are in control of all. And we give you praise with this giving, knowing that you will take care of us. I pray that you would bring out some fantastic stories in our midst through these coming weeks of what, of what generosity can do. Give us a glimpse into that, because we don't always see it. I pray that you would bring about those stories in fun ways as we give and choose to be a generous people. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.